Maybe a little something different this morning than what you expect on an Independence Day, but we want to talk about being united this morning, being united in Christ. How many of you felt the pain of many of those slides? Toxic social media, division in the country, um, conflicting news. Man, that describes the last year for most of us, does it not? It has been a tough year. Uh, As a church, we uh, struggled through the pandemic looking for God's guidance because we couldn't find it anywhere else. Didn't need to be looking anywhere else, really, did we? Because if you start looking to the world for your guidance as a Christian, you're going to get entrapped and you're going to get tripped up. And that's one of the things that we found is we really had to lean on God in making decisions because there was not information out there that you could make sound decisions because much of it was conflicting. So we have, as a church, have journeyed through that. And it's good to be here free on this side of the pandemic be able to come back and worship together freely. But let's talk about today what it really means to be free in Christ. And many of us have the mistaken idea that personal independence is synonymous with freedom. When you think about the founding of the United States of America and Independence Day, we think of individualistic freedom, do we not? Nobody's going to boss us around. Nobody's going to tell us what to do. I'm going to make my own decisions. No one can tell me what to do. I'll do whatever I want whenever I want. That is our mistaken idea, especially as United States citizens, of freedom. We think that it means we can do whatever we want, whenever we want, whatever, whenever. That's our idea of personal freedom. That is the furthest thing from the gospel that there is in the way that personal freedom actually works. But we have gotten so tripped up in this because this is is what we celebrate. And I saw a good article, and it described this as I was researching and studying for this message. It described what they called outside freedom and inside freedom. Um, Luke 4.18 tells us that, that Christ came to proclaim freedom, but that didn't mean we were free to do whatever we wanted to. There were two different freedoms. What we typically celebrate is what they called outside freedom. This is this external freedom where the government's not controlling you. You're not under the thumb of a foreign power, that sort of thing. But internal freedom is what Christ gives us, and that's what the Bible talks so much about, is that we need to have this internal freedom. But we have gotten so on the path of independence that it has even spilled over into our Christian culture. How many times have you heard when someone does something that appears to be clearly against Scripture, what are the first words out of their mouth? If you say, hey, I don't think God would be pleased with that, what do they say? Don't judge me. You got it. Exactly. You can't judge me. Only God can judge me. Don't be telling me what to do. I can do whatever. I'm free. Uh, God says he's the only one that judges me. Not only is that anti-scriptural, it's bad for your own spiritual health. We We aren't supposed to live like that. We're not supposed to live judgment free and do whatever we want, whenever we want. But that is what has become not only of our nation, but us as Christians. This philosophy that No one can judge me. No one but God. And I can tell you that man's judgment sometimes is harsh. Look at God's judgment in Scripture. You know, only God can judge me. I don't know that that's a good thing, (laughs) y'all. You know, that that should scare you. Absolutely right, Leslie. I mean, look back at the plagues on Egypt where God was judging people. Do you want... Your rivers to turn to blood and plagues and your firstborn to to die. God's judgment can be very, very harsh. And so I don't think sometimes we uh, ask for things we don't really want. But what happens to us in this this land of the free, we love stuff that's free, don't we? How many love free stuff? 
free coffee this morning, free water. I didn't see anybody offering, oh, let me pay for your co my coffee. No, I like my free coffee. But look at this list of things that we like that's free. First one, we even have a term for this one now. It's BOGO, buy one, get one free. Everybody loves a deal like that. How about free Wi-Fi? We've got free Wi-Fi here, by the way. You can get on new version using our free Wi-Fi if you need to follow along in the, on your electronic device. Karen's favorite, my wife, buy two, get two free candles at Bath and Body Works. I'm not judging. I'm just saying, you you have never lived, gentlemen, until you have been to Bath and Body Works the Saturday before Thanksgiving. Just let me tell you, these ladies come out of there. We have pictures. I should have brought that picture today for Karen. We have pictures of her standing in the store with double racks of these candles holding it like this going up to the, the register because it's buy two, get two free. Not buy one, get buy two, get two free. And you, they were literally, they make you take a number to get in the store. It's so crowded that day. So everybody likes something free. Dedication, absolutely. Free kids' meals. Parents, how many of you that lights up your world? Free kids' meals. Used to, yeah. When your kids age out of it, it's not as much fun, is it? <laughs> a matter of fact, how many of you as adults go and purposely look, and if kids eat free, you don't eat there? <laughs> We've learned that lesson at Steak and Shake when they had their lobby open. You do not go to Steak and Shake on Kids Eat Free Day. Just trust me. It's chaos. So Kids Eat Free can be good or bad depending on your perspective. How about that free birthday meal? How, everybody gets a favorite free birthday meal place. Anybody got one? Provino. I think in Chattanooga, Provino's has, has absolutely cornered the free birthday meal market. Now, when you come out there and look at your bill, we're going to talk about whether that was really free or not, okay? But Provino's in the free birthday bill. How about a free souvenir cup? No, oh, that's a good one. Got to have your souvenir. Free refills? Always good to get the drink refill for free. Starbucks will never implement that plan. Uh, free advice. How many of you love free advice? No, that's a bad, 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 bad. It, it's often you get that one whether you want it or not, don't you? That one, that one just comes free whether you want it or not. How about the free wine or moonshine tasting? Anybody been to Gatlinburg lately? Oh, yeah, the free wine and moonshine tasting, where they come out and give you some cheap corn liquor with a shot of some kind of flavor in it, and you think it's the greatest thing ever. It's like adult snow cones, guys. I mean, you know. They, they literally go, oh, here's the cherry flavor. Here's the apple flavor. Here's the salted caramel. That was the one that blew my mind. In, during the holidays, you can get your salted caramel moonshine. That doesn't even sound good. Free continental breakfast with your meal. That was one of the most horrible things traveling this past year because of the pandemic. No free continental breakfast. Free oil change with your new car when you bring it to the service department. That's one of the things they sell now. If you buy a car, you get your first oil change free. And we'll talk about that here in just a second. Free comic book day. Anybody in here a comic book fan? Yeah. How many go to free comic book day? Ah, I've got some fans out here. Awesome. Yeah, we love to go to free comic book day. Free hotel transportation to and from the hotel, from the hotel to the airport or hotel to a theme park. That's a big one. And does any Mexican restaurant in town, other than Taco Bell, not offer free chips and salsa? That's my jam. That's, that's, that's the jam right there. I, I had it Friday night. I believe it was Friday night. Yeah, we had free chips and salsa at the Mexican restaurant in the Dunlap. So, hey, 
All these things are free. Now, are they really free? No. Most free things are designed to lure you into something else that will cost you. Or a better word for that we're going to hear a lot about this morning is to enslave you. Let's go through our list just for funds. Buy one, get one free. That means that the, if you want to buy one, it wasn't on sale. And they probably marked both of them off and knocked a little off. Free Wi-Fi. That's to get you to maybe come to our establishment, eat at our establishment, stay in our hotel, or look at the advertising that pops up when you log into the Wi-Fi. Buy two, get two free candles at Bath and Body Works. That feeds on ladies' addictions. That's what that one's for. <laughs> that way they can get the ladies in the store, get them hooked on those good, good, yeah, those good-smelling candles and lotions and stuff, and, and you'll be hooked for life. They are dealers. Free birthday meal, Provino's. Provino says we can give a free birthday meal because we charge enough to everybody else that will never even notice it. That's the way that works. The free souvenir cup. Anybody been to the theme park and had to get your free souvenir cup? Okay. Everybody's got a free souvenir cup at times, especially during the summer. We will give you a $10, a 10 cent plastic cup filled with five cents of soda for only $7.99. It is a deal. You get that free souvenir cup, free refills. Well, eh, I don't have a whole lot to say bad about that one. That one's, that one's pretty non-binding. Free advice, we've already talked about that one. We don't even want that. The free wine and moonshine tasting, that's to get you to sample the, the snow cone flavored moonshine and hopefully go over here and buy you some to take home. And you'll come back again and see what the next new flavor is. Free continental breakfast, that's to get you to stay in our hotel and pay a hotel fee. Free oil change with your new car, that's just to make you feel good about paying $30,000 to get a $60 oil change. <laughs> Free comic book day, that's to get you to come into the comic book store and see what else is there and say, oh, there's the new Batman I didn't even know was out, I will buy that one for $5.99. Free hotel transportation, that's to get you to stay at their hotel. And the free chips and salsa, I think that's just a required thing in a Mexican restaurant. Now, there may even be a law about that that you can't serve without that. But all these things that we think are free are designed to really enslave us, enslave us as consumers. How many of those are consumer-oriented? Almost every one of them. And it's to get us as consumers to come back. The advice one is not. No, the advice one is, that's just a bad one. <laughs> that's just, that's just a, that is just a piece of all of you that have been victimized by that at one point in your life and have horrible memories of it. But, you know, Starbucks, how many people are enslaved to Starbucks? They don't even give free stuff, and they charge a lot, but they have created a consumer enslavement of people that will come back there no matter what. They will go there. You could You could open a brand-new trendy cool coffee shop next to starbucks it would not have the drawing power in return trips the starbucks does they've done a good job for the consumers you know, so we have all these things that enslave us but that is not the way the christian life is supposed to work for us we're supposed to be free of things uh, let's look at our verses of scripture here uh, this is from romans chapter six what shall we say then are we to continue in sin? And let me preface this just a little bit for people that don't know the story of Romans. Paul is talking about contrasting life under the law as a Jew and life as grace with grace as a Christian. So he's talking about not going back to the ways of legalistic law that the Jews were following. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. 
How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be reunited with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. There's that enslavement word we're going to talk a lot about. For one who has died has been set free from sin. How many things do we enslave ourselves to? I liked this video this morning because I think it was a good example and maybe a wake-up call to some of us of things that we are enslaved to that we don't even realize. The way that partisan politics and social media and things are pretty much pushed down our throats these days, you're almost an outcast if you don't enslave yourself to one extreme or the other. Would you all agree with that? If you're not enslaved either over here or over here, and you're just kind of going down the middle trying to do your best and follow Jesus, that's that's bad these days. You catch it from both sides, and that's right. You're, there's no decision you make will be good because you're not following with the extremes. Churches in Chattanooga during the pandemic have suffered extremely from this. You know, some churches were deemed because they closed of being too liberal. Some because they were open were um, too conservative. They didn't care about people. And so we have churches that have split. We have churches that have lost members. We have churches that have members going from their church to a different church trying to find someone to enslave them. Is that not unreal? Trying to find someone that meets up with their expectations to re-enslave them. Paul says, that's not what this is about, guys. We're trying to get away from this. Listen to some of the key words. This We're talking about we're buried, death from our sins. You know what those both to me symbolize? The burial and the death is separation. It's putting distance between us and those sins that enslaved us so that we can get out and away from them, not so that we can run from place to place looking to be enslaved. We can have a new life when we're no longer slaves to sin. Listen to this from Romans chapter 6. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. Lots of symbolic language here about dying to things. Listen, he, he, Christ died to sin once for all of us. That was his sacrifice. So we should not let, let not sin reign in our bodies. Why? Because that enslavement to sin makes you obey its passions. 
I want you to really look at that part of the verse, to make you obey its passions. So when we get enslaved to whatever it may be, whether it's politics or any other thing in our lives that comes between us and truly serving Christ, we start obeying those passions more than we do our passion to follow Christ. Amen? That's what happens to us is when we get off that path, those sins take over our lives and we begin to obey the passions of what the sin would have us to do. How many of you have ever had to deal with addicts in your family? Anybody? We, for a while, had a recovery ministry here and had lots of people and had some great successes and some not-so-great stories from our, our days of doing that recovery ministry. But what we would find is that addiction, that sin, makes you obey it. Would y'all that have experienced that agree? It makes you obey it. There is no rational conversation that you can have. There's no moral conversation you can have that says that's wrong. There's no conversation you can have that says that is killing you and you don't need to do it. That sin makes you obey it. And we, why can we look at addicts and see that and not look at our own lives and see it does the same thing to us? When we get enslaved to sin, it pushes us and makes us obey it the same way. It makes us do things that are illogical. It makes us do things that go contrary to what Christ would have us do. But we don't see it because it's not as obvious as with an addict. And the other thing is it's personal to us, and we don't like to, to go there, do we? Sometimes we don't really want to admit those things that, that trouble us. <coughs> Excuse me. But he says, do not present your members to sin, but present yourselves to God. Because... We're brought from death to life. That Again, that symbology of that separation. That, and we are so far separated from that in our new life in Christ that Paul says that sin will have no dominion over you. You get that? How many feel like sin still has dominion over you? Well, absolutely. How many of you do things you don't want to do? How many of you do, don't do the things you should do? That was Paul's argument. He said, I, I'm... I'm such a wretched man. The things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I shouldn't do, I go ahead and do anyway. So even he struggled with this. But it shouldn't have dominion over us. Because what? Christ died for that. Look at Romans 6.15. It says, What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Now this is Paul again contrasting law and grace. It's Paul's right there. So what he was trying to say is, just because you have grace and your sins are forgiven doesn't mean you get to continue on in it. That's kind of where that don't judge me thing comes from that I'm talking about. Is We're not supposed to keep living in sin. We're supposed to get out of it. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one who you obey? Mm. If you obey your passions, if you obey those things that, that drag you away from Christ, you're a slave to it either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. So what, what it's saying here is those things are going to lead us to death. That obedience to sin, that enslavement, is going to lead us to death eventually. But we need to be led to righteousness. Now, what, who or what enslaves you? And this doesn't have to be you personally, but something. What are you thinking of some things that enslave us? Anybody got some things? Just shout them out. Technology, that that's bull. I don't believe that. <laughs> Let me check Facebook and see how many people are watching. I'll be back here in just a second. Oh, okay, we're good now, yeah. No, that is absolutely true. Technology enslaves us. Unforgiveness. Ooh, good one, Leslie. Unforgiveness. 
We think that by not forgiving someone else, we're hurting them and we're hurting ourselves. What else? Anybody else got one? Lust. Hmm, you don't think our media realizes that, do you? The things that we watch and consume on television? You don't think they have any idea that that's something we have a hang-up over, do you? How many clean television programs or movies can you watch these days? There's a few. There's very few. Teletubbies. Yeah, there you go. We're going to question Leslie's Netflix account now, what it recommends. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we get those. Never, by the way, never let your kids use your Netflix account because you will get some of the weirdest things. It will have, like, The Punisher and Frozen. You know, <laughs> what? So, you know, it's, again, that technology, though, is tracking us, isn't it? It knows what we like, and it knows what to present to us. Anything else you can think of that enslaves us? Sports and hobbies. Again, you're meddling now, Gene. <laughs> Sports and hobbies, yeah. How many of you have a hobby that consumes you sometime? How many of you are big sports fans? Oh, yeah. Only when hockey season. How many of you are big baseball fans? Oh, y'all are in heaven right now. How about soccer fans? Oh, yeah, don't have too many of those. Football, especially college football. Oh, yeah, that's my audience, yeah. Yeah, we get enslaved to those things. Anything else you guys can think of? Food and money. Gosh, those are good ones. Money, shopping. Bath and Body Works does buy two, get two free candles. Absolutely. I'm trying to figure out about the money part. Depends on how much money you want to offer me before I'm going to answer that one. <laughs> right? Is Bruce in here? We were having this conversation a minute ago. What would it take to get Bruce, who is now retired, to go back to work? He says dynamite off the mountain. I think he's got a price. I think he's still got a price. I'm going to work on him. I think he's got a price. I bet it involves a new Mustang of some sort. We'll just see. Maybe with Roush and some of those things. I think I know. See? I know the way to enslave Bruce. See, I'm already tempting him. That's some of that free advice you don't want. Yeah, get thee behind me, Scott. Absolutely. I'll have him tempted, and he'll be out buying a new car and going back to work and saying, it's okay, Scott. It was in the sermon. Go back and listen. It's all okay. But here's the thing. Doing what we want to do will kill us. Isn't that interesting how that Satan, though he is a defeated foe, He's still woven his deceit through the world, through the church, to the point that we are willing to do things that will kill us rather than follow God. That's a biggie, isn't it? That's a huge point of theology, that Satan has enough influence over us that he knows how to tempt us enough to make us want to basically commit spiritual suicide. What about that? How many addicts do you know? I know addicts that have committed suicide, people with mental illness that have committed suicide. But we don't think about that in our personal spiritual life, do they? We commit spiritual suicide. When How many of those things that we're talking about, which can be good in moderation, do we kill our spiritual life pursuing? How many people do you know that have killed their spiritual life pursuing work and advancement and career? How many people do you know that would put recreation far above church, far above spiritual service, that sort of thing? You know, We want to do things that will kill us. Listen to what it says in Romans 7. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful possessions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. The fruit that we're bearing is going to kill us. 
when we're enslaved to sin. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. This is Romans 8. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your body, of the body, you will live. In other words, you've got to have what, for lack of a better term, we often call willpower. You've got to be able to step back, listen to Holy Spirit guiding you in your, guiding you in your life, and set some things aside that aren't healthy. I think that is one of the keys that we see. We've seen it post-pandemic, especially of people falling away from the church. I think they're reminded of the of some things that they don't want to give up. And the further you are away from an assembly of fellow believers and things, the further you're able to be enslaved by that sin and the easier it is for the Satan to get you to commit spiritual suicide because you've just, you've gotten away. You've, you've, you've separated yourself and now you're pursuing your passions or whatever it may be. And that may be things that are even good for society. I know people that do great work in the community but don't know Jesus. There's people that are like that. But that's not where we're, you know, that's something else we can, here's one that you wouldn't think of. Can we be enslaved to doing good, good works? How many churches in town are judged not by their spiritual temperature, but the works that they see being done in the community? You can't see that spiritual work sometimes. You can't judge the spiritual temperature of a church, but you can certainly see if they're out in the headlines doing something, right? And some churches in our area live to be seen. I hate to say that, but there are pastors and churches that live to be seen in the community and be seen as doing something because it what? It's consumeristic and it attracts more people. This is one you won't like. See how I can properly phrase this. Religion can enslave you. Not Christianity, not being a follower of Christ, but religion can enslave you. Because you can go to a church that doesn't preach the truth. You can go to a church. How many of you have ever turned on the TV and heard someone preaching and saying, what is he saying or she? Religion can enslave you. And have you ever noticed that so many teachers that, that don't really teach according to the gospel what do they try to appeal to? Your your flesh side. The things, how many of you have heard the promise that if you do this, God will bless you with what? Material things, riches. You want that new job? God wants to give it to you. By the way, Leslie, you, you need one of those. <laughs> We're praying for Leslie. She's... she's her. Awesome. Leslie is, is phasing out of a certain job and phasing towards a new one, and, and that just reminded me. That's a that's a good thing to be praying for for Leslie. Missed three, so She's missed. But I think, well, Leslie, it's your lack of faith. It's you don't have strong enough faith. If you would just send faith, send faith as long with where's the offering bucket. Um, <laughs> we can get you a job this week if you'll have faith and an offering. They, they're not separate things. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, but we do. We get enslaved to religion. We get things enslaved to things that will kill us. But I like this. This is from an article written by Gavin Ortland, who is a Southern Baptist pastor. It says, four steps to kill nagging sins. The first one is you got to hate it. You don't need to feed it. You need to starve it, corner it, and overwhelm it. So what do those mean, to hate it? Don't minimize your sin. Hate it. 
want to get away from it, want to see that it's enslaving and controlling me and be as far away from it as I can. How many people do you think deal with their sin of seeing how far I can go into it without drowning? You know, how, how deep can I get into this before it kills me? Perhaps I can just, you know, step a toe in. Hmm, maybe I can, maybe I can get ankle deep up, <coughs> excuse me, up to my waist. Then next thing you know, you're up to here, and it's like up to here, and then it's like I'm drowning in it now. And that's how addiction works, exactly. But we can just, we don't separate ourselves from it. When we first identify it as Christians, I think the Holy Spirit is never negligent in nudging us and telling us, hey, you're stepping in the wrong direction. That's a sin. And if we would just right then say, that is bad. I hate it, and I've got to get away from it. But we don't. Don't feed it. Starve it. If you have problems with addictions, if, if it's alcohol, don't go to the bar. <laughs> if you have problems with drugs, don't hang out with people that do drugs, smoke weed, whatever. Don't do that. You know, if you're addicted to candles, don't go buy Bath and Body Work and sniff. <laughs> you know, there's all these things that we think, of, but they're little things. And we do. We step into them. We don't starve it. We try and feed it just a little bit. Because we don't, you know why? Because we don't feed it, it'll die. And really deep down inside, we don't want it to die. That's what addiction is about. That's We don't really want that addiction to die because that's a that's who we are. And so we don't want to starve it. How about corner it? Don't give it opportunity to integrate itself throughout your life. That's why I was talking about Satan weaving his way through the world. He'll weave that sin into our lives so much that we don't know how to untangle ourselves from it. When you get so deep into sin, you don't see the way out. You think the I can't possibly live without this anymore. This is just who I am. Uh, and then finally, overwhelm it. Don't falsely believe it's more powerful than Christ. Overwhelm it and overcome it by the power of Christ. Overwhelming it, overcoming it with the power of Christ. Now, what would keep us from doing that? It's really simple. What separates us from Christ and God the Father. Sin. That's the the only thing that can possibly separate us from the love of God as a Christian is sin in our lives. And yet here we are dabbling in it, dipping our toes into it, not hating it, not over trying to overcome or overwhelm it, but letting it stay in our lives so the one that makes us free doesn't have the opportunity to do that because we are separating ourselves from Christ by the sin in our lives. You know, our commitments to Christ is what makes us free. And many of us don't realize that. How many people have seen people fall repeatedly into sin? Why do you think that is? I preach this often, especially in addiction recovery. We don't want accountability. I think that's a big part. We don't really want to get rid of the sin. But the problem with most things is it could even be as simple as diets and things like that. We don't want to give it up to God. We want to figure out how we are going to fix it on our own. That's the reason some of the false prophets and teachers you see feed on that. Well, if you will do this, God will do that not the way that works but we feed on that because it means 
I can't control what God does, but if I just control what I do a little bit better, it'll fix this. And that's not the way it works. Let's look at Romans 6, uh, verses 17 through 19. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Slaves to righteousness. What does that mean? Well, I can tell you one thing it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean doing whatever you want, whenever you want, does it? Yeah, who is your master? Who are you serving? Uh, Romans 6, 20 through 21 says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. There again is that teaching about sin leading to death. So, as we wrap up this morning and we start thinking about these things, what is going to be our reaction to this? What do we need to do in our lives to bear that fruit and to be slaves of righteousness? What are some things you think we might, let's just speak in general. What are some things that, that the church and Christians in general need to put aside to be better committed to Christ? Anybody got any ideas? Self-righteousness. I'm all... I, I have arrived. I am I, I am better than you. I am, yeah. What's some others? Anybody think of anything else that might might be a way we could start this path to self-righteousness? I can think of a biggie. But reading our scriptures more. How about instead of waiting for me or Mark or another speaker to come in here on Sunday and, and tell you how we have interpreted scripture, how about you start reading it and interpret it on your own? That, I think, is the number one thing that trips us up as believers is we don't really know what we believe. And it is very easy to be tricked by Satan when you don't even know what you believe, right? We need to pray more, talk to God. How many of you find that hard sometimes? Yeah. One reason will be because I have recently messed up and don't feel I have the right to talk to God. That's a biggie. That's a Satan telling me, now, you're done. You're done. God's not going to listen to you because you did so-and-so. Instead of me saying, God, I am sorry. I need to turn from that. You've shown me a better way, and I am going to do my best with the help of the Holy Spirit to get away from that. Corner it. Get it, get it out of your life. Hate it. But that's one of the things that we don't do. That's one of the things that keeps us from Christ. So in thinking about those things, you know, we become ashamed. And we become ashamed to go to the Father. How many of you kids were ever in trouble and ashamed to tell your parents about something you had done? Ooh, that's a biggie, isn't it? Do you think that changes with God the Father? No, we're still ashamed to come to him and, and tell him the things that we've done. But that freedom, we talked about stuff being free. That's what the whole theme of this, this day is about, about freedom and free things. What about our salvation? Is it free? It's free to us, isn't it? But is there a price? What was the price? Jesus. Jesus died on the cross. 
Our freedom was so expensive it cost Christ his very life. Think about that. And we're willing to squander something, a freedom that should be so dear to us that someone died for us. You know, as we, we celebrate Independence Day and things this weekend, we will talk about freedom. We will honor those that, that went went out and fought wars and things to secure our freedom. But yet, here is Christ who died in our place to pay the penalty for our sins, and we ignore him in our lives often. You know, that, that's a hard thing, and I do it too. Everybody does it. We're, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's standards. So we're all in the same boat this morning. It's not like I'm preaching down to you. I'm preaching to myself. We all have this problem. But our final verse this morning is Romans 6, through 23. It says, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So today, if somebody asks you, are you free, how would you answer that? How would you answer it? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Do you think of freedom from political or governmental oppression? Especially on this weekend, that's what you think about. But really, if I told you, you really need to be a slave, that's the way we should That's the way we should be, what would your reaction be? That's a negative connotation, isn't it? That's, we have things because of the slavery and the, and the evils that we did to people in the United States that we have looked at slavery, and it could never be good, can it? But yet, look at this. Look at this contrast that we're given here. In Scripture, Romans chapter 6, starting with verse 22, we have become slaves of God. We are indebted to him. He is our master. He is who we must serve if we want to follow him. And somehow, as Christians, as the church in general, we have gotten away from that. I don't know where we went wrong, but we have gotten that independent streak into us, that that individualistic freedom that we don't even want to be a slave to God now. We want to be our own people. We want to call our own shots. We want to do all this. When Scripture, that is the furthest thing from a scriptural behavior for us as Christians. We're supposed to follow God in everything we do. Now, when it comes to decisions, that's hard, okay? We want to follow God. We want to be bathed in the Holy Spirit. We want to know our scriptures. But there, do you think there's sometimes decisions that there's not really a scriptural answer to? That's a hard question. You know, that's that's one we, we've been faced with, you know, during the pandemic, the things we do, during elections, the things we do. Sometimes I think there's just not a clear-cut answer because why? We're trying to apply principles of the kingdom to the principle and look at them in the context of the principles of man. Everything we do, we should be looking up here at this kingdom and following what the Holy Spirit guides us to do according to this kingdom. And so often that is hard for us because we are enslaved to the sins of man, the sins of our nation, the sins of politics, the sins of social media, 
we are enslaved to those things because we don't want to look like outcasts. We want to fit in with everybody else. We don't want to rock the boat. We certainly don't want to be seen as crazy religious people, do we? So we do those things that we think makes us fit in. And when, in fact, we're supposed to be slaves. We're supposed to know that God is our master, and there are things that our master forbids us to do. And that is very uncomfortable for me as we are so individualistic in this nation of knowing there is a power out there greater than us, and he sets the boundaries for us. He makes the rules. And we are expected to follow what he says. And I'm not talking about those legalistic rules. That's what Paul was saying here. You've got grace now. You don't have to follow these laws, especially some of the things that the, the Pharisees and other leaders made up. We have to ceremonial wash your hands in a ceremony so many times before they're clean enough to eat. And you can't eat certain things. And all these things in the law, you can't, you can't wear mixed garments of mixed materials and all those things. Paul's saying, no, no, that was, that was the previous covenant. God now has grace that covers that. But that grace doesn't mean we're free to do whatever we want. We are still bound to do what our master says. And, and as we think about that in the context of freedom this, this weekend, I'd just like for you to examine your hearts and, and say, you know, God, am I falling short of that? Is, is there something I need to do in my life to better follow you and acknowledge you as my master and my leader and the one I lean on for everything I do? And as we pray, let's just pray to that end. Father, we thank you. We thank you today for the independence of our country. We thank you for those that have died for our freedoms, Lord. But those are those outside freedoms that we talked about this morning. While those are great and they were made sacrificially to many, uh, many people lost their lives because of this to give us freedom. And many times it was for us to be free to worship you. So God, not only have men and women died to give us the ability to worship you, but you gave your only son so that we could follow you. And God, we we treat that freedom so cheaply, God. We, we want to dabble back in our own enslaved, sinful lifestyle instead of just following you and giving our lives wholeheartedly to you. And I just pray this weekend as we reflect on freedom and what it means to us as individuals that, that we look and realize that when we are free is when we are slaves to Christ. When we are enslaved in a lifestyle, God, that honors you, when we put those things in the world so far behind us because we want to be so near to you, God. I just pray this morning, if there's any here that, that don't know Christ, Lord, that they will they will come to know you and your love this morning, God, that, it, that you did give your son, and he was, he was killed. He died on the cross to save us from our sins. He paid the penalty in our place so that we could be free from that sinful lifestyle that only leads to death. Lord, just pray this morning, if someone needs to find life in Christ, that they do it this morning, Lord. And also pray that if anyone has fallen away from Christ and become enslaved in things that separate you from his love and, his, and, and God the Father is our master, Lord, we just pray, Lord, that we'll repent of those things and turn from them, corner that sin, hate it, and overwhelm and overcome it with the power of Christ. And we just pray these things in your name this morning.